0: Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Have you ever asked yourself, what's God's will? Like, what's God's will concerning a particular relationship? For the young people, a lot of times you'll get, like, we have a number of students who are here in the first service who attend Dally Forge. And a lot of times... Young people, when they're 19, 20, they just want to know God's will. And they talk about knowing God's will and discovering God's will. And and they want God's will for their life. And they make a very spiritual thing. And they break up with people or date people based upon their idea of what God's will is. When we talk about knowing God's will, there are certain situations and circumstances that we don't know how to handle. And so we ask God, we say, God, I want specific direction from you. What should I do? What should I not do? But often, I don't need to wait a long time to know God's will, because if I've read his word, his will has been spelled out for me. There are specific things or specific principles that God lays out in his word that reveal to me the will of God. God's will for my life will not contradict. His will for my life will not contradict his word. But there are some people who feel like maybe they have some kind of special revelation from God that makes them exempt from the principles of God's word. With that, we have the idea of, ever notice what some of these people are doing is they're kind of waiting on God. They say, I want to know God's will. What they're really trying to do is to wait God out and get God to change his mind. Do you know what I'm saying? Do any of you, we won't talk about your children, but do you know somebody else who has children who can kind of wear them down? Obviously not our kids, but maybe some of your nieces or nephews or someone like that. And the kids will keep going back to their mom and dad and saying, mom, can I? Dad, can I? Mom, can I? And they just wear you down. They just ask and ask and ask. And when we're waiting for the will of God, we're waiting upon God. There's sometimes people will pull out this God said card. And, you know, when you're talking with somebody, the God said card trumps any other card. As a pastor, you know, throughout the years, I've had opportunities to counsel with people and talk with people. And you'll talk with them and they'll say, well, God said, well, you know, I mean, we're done Conversation over. Like, what can I say? If God said to do it, why are you talking to me? I mean, if God said it, the things that God says will not contradict what he says in his word. You can pull out the God said card and like I say that trumps all other cards. That's like the big guns when they pull that out. But truly, when God speaks to us, it will not contradict what his word says. It will not contradict the principles That have been established in his word. God is not going to say it's okay for you to strangle your boss. He's not going to say it. You may want to do it. You may be frustrated. You may be wanting to know his will. But he is not going to say it's okay for you to strangle your boss. In the book of 1 Thessalonians. There's a number of principles that are laid out. And we want to look at some of them concerning the will of God. In first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12 it says this Now we ask you brothers to respect those who work hard among you who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you Hold them in highest regard and love because of their work Live in peace with each other And we urge you brothers warn those who are idle encourage the timid help the weak be patient with everyone Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continuously. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that you'd give us ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord would say to us. I pray that the things that are of me, that they would just fall to the ground. But what you want to communicate to your people through this scripture, Lord, I pray that you'd bring it alive. And we ask this to our ears, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the will of God? ...that's revealed to us in the scripture. Well, there's a lot of things in there that it would take us... ...this chapter would take us much longer than what we have today. And as you know, we're talking about relationships. But the will of God that we see revealed in this portion of scripture is this. Be joyful always. Pray without ceasing. And in every circumstance, in every situation in your life, give thanks... The first thing that we see in this small portion of Scripture is the need to respect those who God has placed in leadership in our lives. If you are going to have healthy relationships, if you're going to have a spirit of thanksgiving in your life, it is vital that you and I respect those who God has placed in authority in our lives. In particular, in the portion of Scripture that we just read, he's talking about those who are in spiritual leadership, those within the body. But this principle relates to a much wider, a much wider area, that you and I are to have respect for our boss. We're to have respect. Our students are to have respect for their teachers. We're to have respect for those who God has placed in authority in our lives. The scripture says we're to respect them who work hard among us. It says that they are over you, in the Lord, and those who admonish you. To admonish means to express a warning or disapproval, especially in a gentle manner. Admonishment, when someone admonishes someone, it's when they give you friendly advice or encouragement, and oftentimes, whenever, most of us don't like friendly advice or encouragement. Most of us, sometimes it hurts our pride. It hurts us. It hurts our feelings when someone offers any form of correction a lot of times. But that says a lot more about us than it says about the person who's correcting us. The scripture says that we're to have a love for those. So we're to respect them even more when they offer correction to us. We're to hold those within the body of Christ in highest regard and love because of their work. God-ordained leaders are to be held, according to Scripture, in high esteem. We're to value them. We're not to be offended by the words they offer of advice or correction. That is their responsibility before God. That's their calling before God to do that. The Scripture goes on to say that we're to live in peace with each other. That we are not to pay back evil for evil or wrong for wrong. Instead, we're to be kind to each other, meaning those within the body of Christ, and we're to be kind with everyone else, those who you come into contact with. In relationships, we often feel that we'll treat people how they treated us. If you're nice to me and you like me, I like you. I mean, isn't it truth? It's easy to like people who like you. It's easy to be kind to people who are kind to you. It's easy to give to people who give to you. It's a little more difficult to be kind to people who are rude to us. It's a little more difficult to like people when you know they don't like you. Isn't it? How many of you like to be around people who you know they just really have it in for you? It's like, no, I want to try to get away from them. I would rather not have too many interactions with them. But the word says that we are to be kind to one another. Oftentimes, if someone's treated us bad, we really feel justified. If someone's rude to us or critical of us, oftentimes we feel very justified in giving back to them what they gave us. But that's not God's way. The church at Thessalonica was known for their healthy relationships and their love for one another. If we're going to have healthy relationships, then you cannot pay back Evil for evil and wrong for wrong. Because it becomes like a vicious cycle. You ever see that in relationships? It becomes a vicious cycle. You say something smart and they say something smart back. It never ends. It just goes on and on and on. It's continual. Someone has to break free out of that. Now, this past week I was listening to James Dobson on Focus on the Family. And he was talking about relationships. And he was talking about, you know, really the focus of God's will for us that we just read, is that we give thanks in all circumstances. That our hearts be filled with thanksgiving. That our hearts be filled with gratitude. That we have a good word to say. And Dobson was interviewing this guy, and and they had done research, and, and the research had come up that in relationships for every negative or critical word that people speak, that it takes up to 20 positive words to counteract that one negative word. So if someone comes to you, if you have a criticism of somebody, a negative word, that it's going to take 20 positive words, 20 positive interactions, simply to counteract that one negative thing. But isn't it kind of ironic that we can find a lot of things to be upset about? We can find a lot of things to be critical of. We can find a lot of things that we're disappointed about when you're not living with the spirit of thanksgiving, that is. Now, I want you to realize this. When it comes to relationships, this is like a really big thing, okay? This is a huge thing. How many of you think, If you're a guy, and you play baseball, and you bat 950, that you would be a superstar. You would be like a baseball god. Small g. If you get on base 95 times out of 100, you would be, I mean, like, you would be, you would be like a free agent. You'd be making millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. I mean, your jersey would be on every... If you're a Phillies, you got a Phillies professional baseball player who bats 950 throughout his career. He would walk right into the Hall of Fame. They wouldn't even do a ballot. In professional baseball, if you can bat 350, you're a superstar. If you could bat 400, I mean, you are a mega superstar. That's 40% of the time. 40% of the time you get a hit. Okay. Now, let's take it to school. At what level does the A, from 100% to what is an A? 90. You guys kind of go to that special school. (laughs) Back in my day, an A was a 93. Is that what it is, 90? So from 90 to 100 is an A. What's a B? 80 to 89 is a B. What's a C? 70 is a C. So 70 to 79 is a C. What's a D? 60. 60% is a D. 60 to 69 is a D. And 59 and below is an F. Wow. Okay, now we're just kidding with you guys. I'm just teasing. If your kid came home with a 95% on all of his tests, All of his tests at the end of the year, he comes home with a 95%. And you get a letter midterm saying that your child is failing. Like I can see some of you moms. You'd be like, what? That's not my boy's not failing. You'd probably call the teacher. You'd want to talk to the principal. You'd want to talk, what's going on here with this school? My kid gets a 95%. He's brilliant. My child is just a whiz you'd be a little upset if 95% is failing. But do you realize this? If those statistics, if those studies are right, and you can make a study for whatever, but if that research is right, that it takes 20 positive comments to counter out one negative comment, do you realize why marriages are really difficult? See, because guys thinking, if I bat 330... If I bat 330, man, I'm an (laughs) all-star. You know what I mean? (laughs) He's saying, I remember when I played baseball in high school, and I batted 360, and I was like the captain of the team. And I remember when I went to high school, and I got a C. What's a C now? 79. I made the honor roll. Back in my day, I think it was like 84 and up was a B. So I got a B. I got 84%. I was a B. Yeah, that's above average. I'm not too much of a slacker. I got 93%, and that was an A. I was a superstar. But in relationships, if I get 95% of the time right, I still fail. That don't sound fair, does it? Is it any wonder why so many relationships why in so many long-term relationships, there's such a deficit. Because I can say something stupid like once a day, honestly. Honestly, without even trying. You know, without even trying, I can have a negative comment, a question, you know, just a comment like, do you know where the vacuum goes? And we may not necessarily mean something horrible we're trying to hurt somebody. But let me just tell you, There's a lot of relationships that have huge deficits. And the guy's saying, what are you talking about? I'm batting 900. I'm a superstar. I am a superstar. I'm batting 900. And the wife is saying, no, you're not. You've got this huge deficit. You're failing miserably. So this idea of whenever we're controlled, whenever we're controlled by a spirit of thanksgiving, We're constantly looking for the good. He says, I want you to be thankful in all circumstances. When we have a spirit of thanksgiving, we're looking for the positive. We're looking for the blessings that are in our lives. We're looking for the things that we have reason to give an account or appreciation to God for. Going back to the scripture, Paul says, don't get caught up in paying people back wrong for wrong. Instead, be kind to one another. There are true wrongs. There are times when people truly wrong us and they truly offend us. There are also times when there are perceived wrongs. Okay? You know, there's a difference between someone truly offending us and us truly being offended. There's a lot of times we take offense at things we really don't need to take offense at. There's times, have any of you ever read something into what someone said? Or we add, we make judgments upon motives of why they're doing it or why they're saying it. We add things to it so that we can feel justified in the way that we choose to respond. How many times have you ever in relationship, how many times have you said something to someone And the other person has taken it the wrong way. And honestly, you didn't mean it to come across that way. They misunderstood what you said. They took it that you were trying to be critical. And honestly, from your heart, you weren't trying to be critical. There was a misunderstanding. And sometimes, once again, we add things. We kind of bring our view, our experience. We bring what happened to us to that day. There's some days that, you know, people just be better off not to talk to you at all. Right? You've just had a miserable day and think that everything that they're saying and and everything that they're doing is out to get you or out to hurt you. And so, you know, there's times that we just add to that. It's hard to be mean to other people when you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. Does that make sense? When you're looking for the good in other people, it's hard to be rude to them. It's hard to mistreat them when you're honoring them. But it's easy, it's easier to be mean to people or to not treat them in a way that honors God whenever you dehumanize them, okay? Whenever you get in your mind, they're always trying to hurt me. There's times that people aren't always trying to hurt you. But sometimes we have to kind of like feed our mind these negative things about this other person so that we can justify the way that we are treating them. Like for me to, if I'm giving Sam the benefit of the doubt, it's going to be hard for me because I like Sam. Sam's a great guy. It's going to be hard for me to say anything mean about him. It's going to be hard for me to do something that would hurt him. You start getting in your head, yeah, Sam doesn't treat me right. Yeah, Sam's mean to me. Yeah, Sam took advantage of me. Yeah, Sam said something mean to me. Before long, it don't take too long till you start feeding that then you feel justified in mistreating him. And I think there's probably some relationships here today. There's some relationships today that you vilified the other person. You've made them into someone who they're not, and it justifies you mistreating them. It justifies you saying things about them. It justifies you being rude to them or being harsh to them because you, in your mind, you've made them into someone... <laughs> Who they are not. Paul goes on to say this. He says, be joyful always. Do you know that joy takes the burden out of your work? Joy lightens the load. It makes whatever you do easier. The Bible clearly tells us in Nehemiah chapter 8. That the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Now, Nehemiah is a book about the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. They are so overwhelmed. They got their enemy is threatening to come in and destroy them. They're being bullied by other people. They're being accusations against them. On top of that, they got this huge project of rebuilding the walls. There's a lot of negative comments going on around them. And before they can do the work, they have to do a whole bunch of work clearing out before they can even get ready to rebuild the walls. You notice in life, sometimes there's problems or there's undertakings that you have that when you look at it, you're just like, oh man, where do I start? It's like the job just seems so big. It's like, I don't even know where to start. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the word to the people was the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. You see, the joy of the Lord makes whatever project that you have, whatever undertaking that you have, much easier. It strengthens you. The Lord enables us to carry out what seems to be impossible task because of the joy of the Lord. The scripture goes on to say that we are to pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that you go around all day long mumbling. If you do that, that's cool. There's times that we need to do that. My kids hear me talking to myself sometimes. They're like, who are you talking? Ah, oh, just, just, never mind. It's okay throughout your day to pray. But what that really means when we pray without ceasing, it doesn't mean that you quit your job and you kneel beside your bed or beside your recliner 12 hours a day. What it means is this, that we keep a constant open line between us and the Father says, pray without ceasing. It's like, leave the phone off the hook. Have you ever had someone phone call you on their cell phone and not know they called you? It's kind of funny, isn't it? You're like, oh, I wonder what they're doing. <laughs> or they call and you get a message and what it was is they called and the whole time it's been recording the things that they were saying. What the scripture really teaches us is to keep an open line between us and God. The final command that we saw there is to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. It's God's will that you and I have a heart of thanksgiving. In every situation, it can be difficult to be thankful in relationships, especially if you feel that you're getting the short end of the stick. It can be difficult. There's some situations and relationships that can be difficult to be thankful in. If we feel that our opinions are not valued. But I want you to think about the study that I mentioned earlier. If it's true that for some people it takes 20 positive comments to counteract one negative comment. Then do you see that we have 95% of things that we could give thanks about. If a person in a relationship with you does one thing wrong out of 20. Depends on what you want to focus upon. If you want to focus upon the negative things, you can do that. Well, you ever notice that you often find what you're looking for? There are certain people who I know, they always have something good to say. You know why? Because they're looking for something good. They always have a positive comment. They always have something that they're thankful for. And those people are very attractive. Not necessarily in their physical appearance. They're attractive. Why? Because there's something about their spirit. It's nice to be around people like that. It's nice to be around people who are just thankful for what God has done in their lives. For what's happening. For the blessings that God has given them. For the opportunities. If you want to focus upon the negative things, you will seldom find peace. Can I encourage you to focus upon the good in your relationships. And the people who kinda get on your nerves, can I encourage you to focus upon the good? And may I say this, if you find a lot of people who are getting on your nerves, maybe it's because of what you're focusing upon. Maybe it's because you're focusing on the wrong things. Maybe it's because your attention is upon the wrong things. Some people become fixated on the negative. And that's all they can see, how they're disappointed, how they're frustrated, how they are hurt. God tells us to focus upon, to set our minds upon the things that are good, that are lovely, that are praiseworthy. I'd like you to look at the next verse, verse 19. What does it say? It says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. When you and I do not obey the word to give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Right after that verse is the next verse. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. When we choose to focus upon the negative, how do you feel in the Spirit? Do you just feel like worshiping? When you choose to focus upon the disappointments of life, do you feel like just drawing into the presence of God and going out and serving other people? No. No. What do you feel like doing? You feel like quitting. You feel discouraged. You feel hopeless. You feel like giving up. When we put out the Spirit's fire, when we refuse to give thanks to God for all that He has done for us. The other week, Logan had someone steal her iPod at school. And she was upset and stuff. And so I said to her, You know what, honey? I'm glad. I would much rather have you be the person who's stolen from than for you to be the person who's stealing You know, there's something that we can give thanks to god about in every circumstance In every circumstance, there's something that we can give thanks. Man, you'd rather have your kid How many of you want your kids to be stealing? I don't want that I would much rather have my kids have something stolen from them than for them to be the one who's doing the stealing so we can look at any circumstance in our life. You know, maybe someone treats you. Maybe someone cursed you out. Someone's rude to you. You know, after you, after you settle down a little bit, maybe we need to give thanks to God. I thank you that that's not the way I have to respond anymore. That may have been the way that you responded at one day. But God, I thank you that I don't have to treat people that way. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not the one. Not that we're arrogant and we're looking down on other people. But sometimes we just need to give thanks to God. God, I thank you that you've changed my life. I don't have to act that way any longer. We're going to close with this. Should Jesus tarry and you live long enough? Every single one of us will have a final meeting. Why should I give thanks in every circumstance? Why does God want me to have a thankful heart in relationships? Well, because life is short. Life, I'm mean, telling you, life is short. The older you get, the quicker life goes by, doesn't it? Like, can you believe it's Christmas? I'm like, no, it's not exactly Christmas, but it's coming around. It's going to be here before we know it. Yeah, I mean, Christmas is just around the corner. It really is. The years just flew by. And the reality of it is, is why should we be thankful? Because life is short. Life is flying by. We don't have time. We really don't have time to waste. If you want to be miserable, uh, you can. But life is really short. Why should we spend a lot of our time being disgruntled and unhappy and sad? Because to be honest with you, we don't have a whole lot of time. All of our days are numbered. If you knew today that life is short, then we should live. And our time here on earth is brief. We should live with that in mind, should Jesus, Terry, every one of you, every single rela- and you live long enough, every single one of our relationships will have a final meeting. There'll be a final time that you get to talk to your sister on the phone. It'll be the last time. There'll be a final time that you walk out the door of your mom's house. Or of your dad's hospital bed room. There'll be a final time. There's going to be a time when you just walk out the door and you're out. When you look back, there's going to be a final time. There'll be a final time when you hold your spouse's hand. There'll be a last time. Every one of us, should Jesus, tarry and we live long enough, there will be a final time that you get to squeeze their hand and there'll be a time when you let go. And you'll never get to hold your hand again. With that in mind, how do you want life to end? How do you want things to go? I can be mad. And I can find reasons to be upset about a lot of things. I can look for faults in you. You can look for faults in me. And I can hold things against you you know, a lot of times this isn't church. A lot of times this is family. We're talking about family now. Talking about family. We can be aggravated with family. We can be hurt by them. We can focus on the things that they did. My, my mom should have said. My dad should have said. This person should have done this. This person should have done that. You can focus on that. That's your choice. But you only have so much time. You need to figure out today how you want this to end. Do you want it to end Always focused upon the things that they didn't do or didn't say. Or would you like it to end with good memories? Because when they're gone, that's all you got. All you got is the memories. That's all. You can't go back. If you only have so much time, and some of you realize, I've wasted time being frustrated and aggravated and annoyed. With things people did. It just sucked the life out of me. Being angry and being ungrateful. Is like something that sucks life out of you. It doesn't give life. A spirit of thanksgiving gives life. Do you ever notice that? Like when you start counting your blessings. And you start thinking about the good things that God has done. It kind of like puts energy in you. As we close. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I was going to do it a little bit different. What I was going to do is I was going to put all of your pictures up here. And we were going to play this song. Have you ever been to funerals? Have you been to the funerals when they show the pictures of the person who died? And they show them on vacation. And they show the baby picture of them. And they show them graduating from high school. And they show the wedding day and all of these things. And like, you're just like, oh, my goodness. Like you sit crying. And what I'd like you to do today is I want you to think of the relationship that's a problem for you today. Maybe the one that they're hitting 950, but they're still failing. The relationship that's hard for you to be thankful for right now. There's disappointments there. there's hurts there. There's misunderstandings there. And what I want us to do is I want you to make up your own slideshow. I'll tell you what you can put in your slideshow. If you want. You can put every disappointing experience. You can put every harsh word. You can put every time to let you down. If, if that's the way you want to end it, that's OK. It's your life. It's not God's will, but it is your life. Or you can put some other pictures in there. You can recount the times that you were blessed. You can recount the times that your home was filled with joy. Really, it's all up to you. And in your relationships, you get to write the ending today.